Hello, I'm Ramey. This is Dakota. And this is Leveling Duo, and it's a cross-promotional episode. Dakota, you have no idea what we're talking about today, do you? Uh, not really. Uh, kind of got sprung on me a little bit, but that's all good. This is a cross-promotion between this podcast and another one that me and my sister do called Brother Knows Quest. And okay. And here you go. Alrighty. Are you familiar with that? Uh, fairly. Uh, for the... Those listening, he just handed me the 5th edition D&D player's handbook. Yes, that is something he introduced me to, technically, and it's also a game, so it fits into leveling duo just as much as Brother Knows Quest. Oh yeah, definitely the leveling part. Yes, the reason he is here for this is because he's played it more than I have, I would say, uh, and plays other games like Pathfinder and such, I think. Yeah, uh, I've not had a lot of experience with playing some of the other games. Pathfinder, first edition, mainly, not second edition. I haven't touched it yet. But I'm pretty open to most tabletop RPGs for the most part. Like, I'll give any one of them a try once, and if it's something I like, play it again if I can. If not, well, you know, more power to you if you like that kind of game. Yeah, I've got many, and I have played few. Yeah, (laughs) I had no idea... Like what sort of, I would not call it a obsession, but I would call it somewhat of an addiction of getting as many different modules and rule systems as you can. I am a person who does not, even playing video games, I'm not a modder. So if I want something that is different than D&D, I will find a whole different game. Something that fits the setting better than just modding D&D. And I get that. Just one of the reasons why like, I like any kind of tabletop RPG, just not D&D, though, is that essentially, like, at the end of the day, like, it's mostly just improv and, like, statistical random chance. You can min-max a character in D&D probably better than most video games, to be honest. Well, per technicality, possibly, but it just kind of mainly just depends on the scale that you're operating at. I suppose we should start with the origin story. Mm. It might be something we've mentioned before on one of the other podcasts, but this was, what, 2016, 17? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a long time ago until you remember it's the year of our Lord 2023. True. (laughs) There was a game store next to a theater uh, in our local town, and while I was up there with a friend of mine, he reminded me that Dakota said that we should try this starter set for D&D. And I mm-hmm. had watched some Big Bang Theory at that point, and I kind of got familiar with the idea of D&D, but nothing really about it. I knew nothing. Right. And so I might have called you or messaged you. That's exactly what happened. I messaged Dakota after I was reminded of this situation and asked him if he would run a game or teach us how to play so I didn't waste my money on a starter set. And so I bought the starter set for like 20 23 bucks. Mm-hmm. And brought it home, and we played it at my sister's with her at the time boyfriend, and you and my friend Scott. Yeah, I think it was like just the classic 5th edition starter set, the OG one, Yeah, the if one you will. The green dragon on the front. The Mines of Fandelver. Ah, uh, I still love that. And it's actually the only one I can run by memory now, pretty much. Yeah, like you run that one enough, like it's, it's so simple, yeah. so basic. Which, I mean, like, for beginners, especially if you're just kind of new to the concept of doing a tabletop RPG, you know, like, not necessarily just trying to, like, endorse it, like, as a product or anything, just, it's a pretty easy beginner's quest, per se. Yeah. So, like, and for all different ages and all different experiences, like, it's something that you can, like, get into, follow along with, and, 
you know, and if you got a pretty good DM out there, usually you can twist it around a little bit, add some stuff here, take away some stuff there, and make it your own game. You can. They make the starter set easy enough for to understand. I understood the basics in the starter set. Mm-hmm. What was getting me as a shyer person was the idea of role playing anything. And you fixed that for me by explaining to us all. Everybody looked a little nervous. And you said, we can't have fun here. We don't have to sit here and pretend to throw fireballs and cackle at each other. <laughs> That's how you put it. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, like, you know, like, uh, you know, just like the kind of classic stereotype that, you know, like you might have heard or seen before, you know, like hooded robes and like someone's parents' basement, the lights are turned off and you're just like throwing foam balls at each other or something, you know, like. And at the end of the day, someone gets sacrificed somehow. I mean, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, no hating on, like, because I got, like, big respect to the LARPers and stuff out there. Like, y'all, good job. I've not personally went LARPing. Eventually, I would like to. One day, I think it'd be a lot of fun. For those in the know, back in the day, that was something that was kind of demeaned and made fun of. I just used it as an example. Did me no disrespect by it or anything. I was just trying to break the tension with everybody, because like Adam said, Pretty much everyone was, they didn't really want to like say anything, come forward. And I was like, you don't have to do a voice. You don't have to do an accent or anything like that. Just talk, pretend you're in your character's shoes, and then just go from there. We had two fighters, which was Scott and Beth's at the time boyfriend, Zach. We had myself, which was the wizard. Mm -hmm. And my sister might have already been playing as a rogue. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure she was a rogue. Uh, She's always a rogue. Which, it was also, like, my first, like, kind of go around with DMing, too. At that point in time, I just mainly just, you know, read the books and kind of got familiar with the rules, but not had actually put them into use yet. Yeah. So I was a little bit loose with some things just for the sake of everyone trying to have some fun, which I figure everyone did. I did, uh, clearly. (laughs) But I eventually kind of evolved to a point where I wanted to kind of do more as a rules as written kind of gameplay not set in stone rules as written sometimes like if the situation calls for in the story it might be nice if it goes a certain way you'd be like yeah i'll allow it just kind of trying to get a little bit more structure because we were kind of going a little bit way out there put it this way like i was a dm that allowed a level five fighter to get a vorpal sword we all done that didn't we like, everyone got, like, wondrous legendary items and stuff just because I was just like, you know, like, like fuck it, you know? Like, yeah, y'all are low-level and shit, but, like, why not just go ahead and get the really cool, really high-damage, you know, like, weapons, and I'll just kind of, like, let you be, like, OP for a little while. But then as soon as it started getting harder, everyone was just like, you're being mean. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, no. Um, I'm just throwing some challenge your way. It, we had some pushback when I started DMing about once we were. St- I started realizing I was overpowering people, and when I started cutting things back a bit, they got upset. Yeah, which that was something that me and you had talked about though, as far as like kind of switching off like DMing for the game and everything was like trying to like find like a power scale balance because I mean it's one thing like not really trying to like be like oh here's this now we're gonna take it away, but just kind of. Like, okay, like, you're not going to get, like, a legendary item or weapon for this, but you are going to get a reward. Mm -hmm. But it was that scaling back from, like, our first experience with playing that, which, I mean, that was probably my fault. I shouldn't have allowed, like, our first little miniature campaign from Fandelver into, I think it was, uh, was it Horde of the Dragon Queen, I think? Yeah. We started playing after that, mm-hmm. and just everybody kind of, I don't know, I didn't want anybody to die. 
<laughs> that I wanted everybody to have fun. So I figured what would it hurt for everyone to have like one good magic item. And then from there, it was just a matter of what they did with it, which I thought was kind of fair, considering everybody was kind of brand new to it. So about the only thing I did was just going to give certain people bigger modifiers and higher damage rolls, which if they still rolled shitty, they still rolled shitty, which did happen. It did. I never lost a character, but we had a couple die like suicide or just foolishness. And I got really close to dying once. Yeah, I did too. Several times. Yeah. You were getting beat up by um, red hats, weren't you? Yeah, which that was my own arrogance. Because <laughs> I think I was like a level, I think I'm like a level four or level five way of the hand monk. Mm -hmm. I was able to do some like decency and I was able to kind of like keep up with and do an extent, but because I was also, also a tabaxi, so. Really quick. Yes. However, it was just, I don't know. Too many, because I think I was like one person against... Was it Quicklings? Is that what the problem was? Well, no, it was like the, the Red Caps, like, they were extremely, like, fast, hard to hit because they were tiny, but then, like, most of their attacks was, like, attacking me in the shins and knocking me prone. <laughs> yeah. So, like... <laughs> you just like, I, I was, I was just con It was just a constant battle of, like, standing up and then someone, like, running by, kicking me in the shin and knocking me back on my ass, and it was just hard to do anything with that. Because when you get knocked prone, you kind of lose your ability to, to attack. So they just run on by you. Mm -hmm. Unless DM allows like something like, you know, hey, like you can have one attack of opportunity if they leave your zone as you fall or something. You have the opportunity to. Depends on the DM's ruling. Yeah. Or GM, storyteller, narrator, you know, whatever you like to call yourself as far as a... Overlord. Well, you know, like, <laughs> like don't get like too, too out there. A gamekeeper. By the way, I, I was looking at the date. Cat herder. There we go. Oh, that's what it's like. Um, <laughs> I was uh, looking at the dates here to make sure of something. I think it was 2016 when we played, not 2017. I want to make sure the dates mm -hmm. of that, because to me, it's kind of a big deal. Now, what was the first RPG you played? Did you mention that earlier? Like as in like a tabletop RPG? Yeah, yeah, or? yeah. That. The very first one that I ever like physically played myself was actually uh it was like one time like way back in middle school and it was at a local rec center uh here in town mm -hmm. and it was just like some older kids and they were playing i, I think D, D, but back then i didn't really know it could have been pathfinder back then possibly that was what was blowing up but uh they were just kind of like sitting at a table had a map minis rolling dice talking laughing getting pissed off sometimes you know if you know, you know. Yeah. And, I don't know, like, I just kind of took some interest to it a couple of days. I just kind of, like, went to the wreck, hanged out and shit. Didn't really feel like going home, so I just went up there, you know, walked around, chilled. And they were entertaining, so I just kind of, like, you know, asked them if they, you know, cared if I, like, kind of, like, sat in, just kind of, like, listened. Kind of like a one-man audience. They said they didn't care as long as they didn't, like, fuck with them. <laughs> Start yeah. throwing dice. Pretty much. Uh, but then eventually... uh they one day just asked me if I wanted to play, and I played once. But after that, I can't remember, like, something happened, and uh, they just kind of, like, stopped showing up. I mean, that's how every party ends up, unless you're one of those real lucky few. Which, I mean, I kind of figured it was probably to the extent of, like, they probably just decided they didn't want to, like, play there anymore because I was hanging around. Oh, I don't know, Dakota. I never found that difficult. 
Well, I mean, like, sometimes that's just how it is. You know, like, I was younger, you know, possibly made them feel awkward. Don't know. But anyway, uh, that was kind of like my first time, like, trying to play. But then after that, I was just like, eh, not really much for me. I was like more video games. Yeah. But then, kind of like, long story short, like, I kind of lived on the mountain by myself for a while. Uh, somewhat hermited. So, didn't really go out a whole lot except for work, groceries. And I kind of got into watching uh, online streams a lot more. Mm -hmm. And my brother, my little brother, he actually uh, introduced me to the concept of the, like, online RPG-like community. Uh, especially, like, streamers. Uh, the first one was uh, Roleplay. That was my first one. You brother sent it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, from there, I also watched uh, Critical Role. And I'm sure for those that, sure you've heard of Critical Role by now, they've kind of blown up quite a bit since they very first started. Yeah, if you don't know anything about the tabletop role-playing scene somehow and you're listening to this still, yeah, which means that either you're a gamer or a tabletop role-player. Possibly. You might Hopefully. have heard of Vox Machina off of Amazon Prime Video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> even if you've never played, you might recognize that. Or the Mighty Nine. Uh, even I don't know that one. Oh. Well, that's like the second, I believe. Now, like, I, I was mainly Vox Machina watcher as far as that goes, but, like, they have a couple more campaigns since then. I watch a lot of actual plays of different tabletop playing games, but that isn't one. Any of the critical roles. I know it's an unpopular opinion. I don't know. It is never. Well, to each their own is what I say. I mean, like, and it's like the same thing like with the games. I don't think there's any quote unquote like one right playing style. It's all about like how you would like to play and as long as you're having fun. But now I think there are like certain basics, you know, like don't be, you know, disrespectful, don't be hateful, don't be like, you know, like racist or, you know, like any of that other, you know, stuff. Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, like, you know, like other players. Like, now there's like a, a portion of the community that'll probably disagree with me on this, but like, I feel like as far as like it's role playing, part of that can possibly be thrown into a character, but I do not agree with it being like done in a hateful manner. Classically, elves and dwarves, for example. And a lot of literature, it's kind of like they're usually stated to be enemies. So they, you know, openly like insult each other are usually, like, typically aggressive toward one another. That can be interpreted as being racist in a way. Yeah. However, I just kind of feel like that's just the lore kind of, like, playing out. However, if you want to play a character to where there's no, like, you know, want to be elf or dwarf and you have nothing like that in your character, that's completely fine, too. You play how you like to play. I once or twice... And mainly my, with my sister, when she was playing something unusual race, would have people be kind of yeah. weird around her. Not so much racist, so much as confused. Yeah. I've stopped doing that. So I made some mm. questionable choices for the characters back in the day. Yeah. I was new. I didn't know. Which I mean, like, just, just mainly just be respectful, you know, to one another and just try to have fun. That's the main thing. Yes. If you're having fun is being disrespectful to other players, then, like... I'm sorry, but you're not playing at my table. Fair enough. I'm sure there's a party of people out there who have the same mindset or just want to be a group of people who insult each other, like a party of bards. You know, like, and if that's like your play style, then that, you know, like, good for you. But just, that's not my table. We always had at least one necromancer as well. Yeah. Which, 
Nothing wrong with that. You know, like, again, that your playstyle, your playstyle. Like, I have no problem with, like, running, like, evil campaigns or villain campaigns if you want to play more of, like, a character on the bad side of things. Like, again, it's a role-playing game. Yes. You know, like, you want to play that kind of character, then go for it. Just, again, just be respectful to, you You know, like, your other players and uh, whoever's running your game. Since we're talking about D&D and we mentioned Critical Role in the other ones, mm-hmm. my favorite podcast is from the McElroy Brothers, The Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. Now, if somehow you found this and not them first, I have no idea what's going on with your feed. But <laughs> most of my influence on how I run things came from them, I guess, other than you. I finished roleplay from mm. uh, It Me, JP. Uh, uh, it was West Marches, wasn't it? The West Marches. Roleplay the West Marches is what it was called, yes. They do have roleplay one-shots where they try different games with Stephen Lumpkin. Mm. He's also the DM in West Marches. When I would go to work, I could listen to podcasts, so I looked around some. Came across a lot of good ones, but I really settled on the Adventure Zone. Mm-hmm. And they've had a lot of different games in their series now. As soon as they finished the Balance Arc, they started playing a different game. They're back on D&D for a while. Now they've stopped them with Blades of the Dark. If you want something to listen to, try them out. Mm-hmm. We might do an actual play of our own eventually. We're thinking about it a lot. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Got to find the time. And the people. Exactly. Uh, we could technically do it with just three of us. It might be. It's manageable. It's manageable. Certainly, depending on what game you're playing. Well, I kind of like the idea of like maybe doing something along the lines of like like the three of us being like the core group, and then having like guest uh, people to where we they can like participate in the one shot. Yeah, like the West Marches did. Yes, <laughs> but they don't necessarily have to play like a long term character. No. Now, what was your favorite? I can almost guess. I'll say monk. But what is your favorite class to play as in D anD? d it was Monk. I don't know if it still is. I do love Monk, but I would have to say that I've probably like leaned more into the Paladin class. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my second choice. Which, uh, like, no hating on the other classes or anything. Like, I love all the classes, each for their own like individual strengths and weaknesses. It's just like for me, I like Paladins because like you can be the front line attacker, you can be the tank, you can be the healer. Like, I like the concept of just being, like, an all-around uh, player, you know. I, I like, I, me personally, as a player, I like to play the support role. Yes. Like, if someone needs to heal, I got you. You need me to attack, I got you. You need me to defend, I got you. You know, like, you need me to fall back and cast a spell, I got you. You know, or you want me to rain down almighty divine smite on these motherfuckers, I can do that shit, too. <laughs> You know, like I will like rain down so many D8s. Drop a handful of them on someone. Pretty much. But like I like, I like- Love Monk too, mainly just because I love the mobility because there's like that is the mobile class. Yes. Unless you, you know, can just utilize magic and you just effectively are traveling a greater distance faster. But I don't know. I think everyone likes the concept of moving at supersonic speed. Mm-hmm. What do you think my favorite class is? Cleric. You are correct. Now, I started off as a wizard. I tried out a necromancer wizard, realized it wasn't what I wanted. And then you saw, like, Grave Cleric. I saw Grave Cleric, and now the Twilight Domain, stuff like that. Because clerics get, they're better necromancers than wizards. For a long time, your favorite was Tempest, though. Oh, yes. Which I was, Tempest is very powerful. I still kind of want to go in. Until the Twilight Cleric came out. Now, recently... And uh, some of you viewers may know uh, who I'm talking about. 
I actually saw him on TikTok and have been watching a lot of his reels on YouTube. YouTube shorts mainly. But it's uh, like D&D shorts. Yeah. And uh, the other day, like he was talking about like alternate, like modded rules for 5th edition, depending on like what kind of style of gameplay you wanted to do. And one that he mentioned, I can't remember the name of it, but the concept was that whenever you chose a class, you got to choose two subclasses. Mm-hmm. And like there was like a, and he said that with that rule set, uh, it was a sense of, uh, like not, not two subclasses, you got to choose two classes. And they leveled up simultaneously. Oh, that would be crazy. You'd have to raise the challenge rating of everything to make it. <laughs> yeah. But like I can't remember what he called it though. But I was just like, "That's a pretty cool concept." Like at the start, duo leveling. Yes, and like there was like a whole like table for like uh, how different abilities stack together if you got them at the same time, or how uh, multiple uh, uh, spell slots. Oh, that always got me. You know, if it like, wasn't for apps and stuff, I'd be mixed up on those all the time. I mean, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Yeah, it does sound like a good one. Uh, you'd have to be, the DM is going to have a lot more on his hands. My question would be, if you do decide to multi-class, does that mean you get to choose two more classes? Oh, dear. Then if all of a sudden, like, you're, you're going to be four. You're four levels in, four, four classes in, you're almost filling out the roster. Like, imagine being a level five character, but, like, say you chose, like, fighter and paladin. So, like, you're, a, like, a level 5 paladin fighter, like, respectively. So, like, you're equivalent of, like, a level 10 character, minus a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, but you have all that shit. And then you decide to multi-class, and say you multi-class into, uh, cleric and, uh, ranger. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, like, you're level 6, but you've got... Four different class abilities. Just imagine, like, that whole concept, like, or, like, even if you multi-class, like, if you wanted to truly multi-class into everything, that would be the rule set to go with. Yeah. But, my God. It would be a handful, even for the players. That would be chaos. Yes. And I don't know what kind of enemy you could possibly, like, by level 10, what what could stand up to? (laughs) Well, at that point, I think you're like mm-hmm. you're you're going into like epic territory. You might as well start playing another game called Godbound. Essentially, yes, it, it's almost like Godbound D and D. Yes, I'll I'll discuss Godbound in another episode with another. Which that is also another good game. It is. I, I ran it one time slowly. That was the first time. But you are literally gods, and it uses uh, OSR rules, like older school style D and D rules. And it's kind of like with that concept, like you, when you build your character, like you are god or goddess or, you know, uh, entity, deity that presides over uh, certain like domains. And uh, you choose essentially like different, like you basically have like a big word bank and uh, depending on like what kind of domain of like what aspect that you want to specifically preside over. And I think it was like two or three. You could have two to three at first, and then you can move up from there. Mm-hmm. The archery one. 
I'll never forget reading it. It was one of their starting abilities is the battlefield. Anything it is aiming at you, projectile-wise, you could just snap a finger and it returns back to where it came from and attacks the person, pretty much. If you watch the 300 and Xerxes' army blots out mm-hmm. the sky of his arrows, if that was one person on that battlefield, he would have just waved his hand and that would have went the other way and killed everybody. And I was thinking, that is, in a fantasy setting where people can launch arrows at you, that is just dangerous. Mm. What's the point of launching an arrow at this person? And there's ones for the sun. I am the sun now. But there was a cool expansion pack. They had one for cities. You could just build a city out of nothing for your people. Mm. I'll wake up one day and now there's a city, a metropolis here. And the more followers you have, the more you can do. So that's a good game. Once you get a higher level D&D character, it'd be a good idea to hop over to a game like Godbound. Yeah, because it just has the concept of like... Okay, you just have power now. You can just will things to happen. Yes, the things are made on my whim. When you swing a sword in that game or a weapon, mm-hmm. it has its own setting, but it's very easy to pop it into another setting, and the book even covers how to do that if you pay for it. Now, I should say Godbound is free if you get the PDF. But is if it? you want the book with like a few of the extra stuff at the end, mm-hmm. not even stuff you have to have to play. So if you want the free PDF, go find it. I recommend leaving a tip if they give the option because it is worth it. Mm-hmm. But, Definitely. Uh, yeah. But you can swing your sword in that game or shoot or whatever weapon you're using. And if it's something of a power level lower than deity like yourself, it still deals damage even if you miss. Like just radiant nearby, I'm a god has swung at you, something bad is going to happen to you now. Mm-hmm. So, like you just lazily swing your sword and it just like erupts a fissure in front of you. Yes. It's like Bleach. Captain Yamamoto has just swung his bonkai at you. It's just gone. More like Kenpachi. Oh, Kenpachi's a rocky. He's a good one. So anything that's like peasant level, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like in D&D, I guess. Most peasants wouldn't be able to stand up. They have, like, what, four hit points? Yeah. That would be gone. I mean, even if you missed as a D&D player in a Godbound character, that would still be a dead peasant. <laughs> dead village. Uh-huh. Oh, there's also a domain of fertility. But you know what also is covered in the portfolio of fertility? Mm. Pestilence. Like, you are alive, and what comes from that? Diseases. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, you could also uh, automatically reverse all pregnancies in a village. You huh. just wave your hand, and nobody's pregnant anymore. Um, Interesting. It's, it's, it's a wild concept. It seems a little offensive when I say it. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, a, just a little. Um, or you could make them pregnant. I mean, it just covers so many cool things. Well, I mean, like, if you're, like, a you know, a deity of that it makes sense. domain, yeah, like, you just can... But, like, that's the whole point. Like, you have control over certain aspects of reality now. Yeah. Uh, strength. I mean, I'll, I'll go into that book another time. This is a deity episode, I guess. Mm. It's easy to get me caught up in other games when I start talking about one. And <laughs> Which, as far as, like, if we're talking about, like, scale, like we were talking about just now, like, like deities versus, like, common folk. Like, in 5th edition, like, you have, like, all your basic uh, stats that make up your character's abilities... Uh, broken down to like strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, respectively. Uh, and those are all divvied up into uh, pointed scores that represent how good you are, how strong you are. Uh, or like for strength, uh, for example, an eight strength is considered like the average like adult male strong. Yeah. So, 20 strength is like Herculean strength. Or like godly strength. Yes. 
for a human or a normal well like in scale yeah uh which like as far as i believe in the rules it says that like if you're a player character you can only naturally raise your abilities up to 20 if you want to get them past 20 which they can go up to 30 that can only be done through uh magical means like an item or a spell or something of that nature a belt of giant strength yes Dexterity represents your ability to be quick, your reflexes, your agility. Constitution, like, represents your overall health, like your hit points. Uh, your ability to withstand disease, poisons, things of that nature. Then you've got your intelligence, which is mainly like your ability to recall the information that you've seen or heard before. Uh, and your ability to access that information now quickly. Wisdom is kind of like more of an abstract... Uh, since, like, it ties into your intelligence in a way, because uh, most spellcasters are based on either uh, intelligence, uh, wisdom, or charisma. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you can kind of, like, in a way, kind of, like, see, like, how your power is represented in those scores. Uh, like, again, your wisdom is kind of like your just overall of knowing of the world. I call it street smarts. Kinda. Yeah, I think somewhere, like I heard that, that somewhere else, and that's I just stuck in my head. I mean, that's kind of like one way that you can look at it, I guess. Uh, and then charisma is uh, tied into not necessarily like your looks, more kind of like your confidence, like your self-confidence. When we first started playing, a lot of people thought it was a looks thing. So, a lot Which, of I mean, like, in a way, it kind of is. Like, if something or someone has, like, a 20 charisma, then they are just, like, extremely, like, usually potent. Uh-huh. You know, in, like, uh, one aspect or another. But, like, it also depends, too. You, like, ne- didn't necessarily have to be, like, a quote-unquote conventionally, like, attractive creature to have a high charisma. They could just, like, have a charisma through, like, their intelligence. How many? Or their bravado. Like, look at dragons. Oh, yes, quite a high charisma. And they are just intimidating in their own right for being mm-hmm. dragons. <laughs> How many times have you been watching an actual play or listening to one? and? heard someone to say be like okay well how pretty is this person i'm talking to are they basically it's their way of getting their charisma score (laughs) like tell me what their charisma score is that's that's the way i've heard it put before yeah like i'm like curious to charm the person so i need to know if they're like pretty or not so i know (laughs) if i'm gonna waste my spell slot or not yes i've wasted a few on pretty people like that well another is like the tomato analogy strength is being able to crush a tomato Dexterity is being able to dodge a t- uh, tomato. Constitution is being able to eat a bad tomato. Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. Charisma is being able to sell a tomato-based fruit salad, known as salsa. <laughs> that was a pretty good analogy, especially the selling of the tomato. I was wondering how the charisma would come into it. <laughs> well, I added that last bit. Oh, I, I was going to think. I was thinking it was going to go like throwing a tomato at you, but when you're done badly on stage. No. <laughs> there's a lot of way to play D&D. And there's so many different classes, subclasses, and modules and settings out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I mean, like, in any kind of play, too, and even if you don't want to do, like, a classical module or something like that in D&D, like, you can take the basic rule set, and there's, like, a multitude of different themed mods for 5th edition out there. Yes. Like, you want to play, like, a Pokemon 5th edition? There's one out there. Legend of Zelda 5th edition? One out there. Star Wars? 
Star Wars, you know, like all those, you know, like there's like some like sort of theme to that. Yeah, there's endless ones. And there's other editions of D&D other than 5th edition. I've never played oh, yeah. any of them. I've got a few reprints of them but which a lot of people believe that fifth edition is kind of like your beginners D. like it's very i guess like a good way to put it is that it's very kind of like easy to understand and straightforward compared to like older rules like thaco oh goodness oh no it's like a random sheet of numbers you go by for armor class mm-hmm not for me. Honestly, like I feel like if you want to get into D and D, best thing to do do a little bit of research, check around at your local game stores. I'm sure there's probably like a night where they have D and D. A lot of places have open tables if you want to join in. If you want to do something more at home, uh, you have options like you can buy the starter set, essentials kit, kind of like what Raimi did. You can uh, go online. There's multiple platforms available. Roll twenty is one. D&D Beyond is another. Or you can just kind of like do what I did and buy some books, read them, kind of become familiar with them, and, you know, introduce your friends to it and try to get a couple of games going. Watch some actual plays or listen to them. Oh, yeah. If you're not sure you want to try it. If you want to actually like have something to watch, not just listen to, Critical Role is a good choice. They have so much content out there. I warn you, though, that their classes and stuff won't be the ones you're familiar with unless you deliberately go out of your way to buy the stuff that they've created. Yeah. Like, as a disclaimer, essentially, like, especially with, like, the very first campaign, uh, all their characters actually started off in Pathfinder, and then their DM, Matt Mercer, actually converted their characters into 5th edition. Percy's Gunslinger was a Pathfinder class that he actually had to modify and make into a 5th edition one. In my ever-ending quest to learn more about the rules in each class a little bit, see how people use them, mm -hmm. it's the reason I think I didn't vibe well with his creations is because they weren't using standard classes. Now they are. They're printed out. Wizards have gotten some mm -hmm. of the stuff and printed it. But back when I was first starting, it wasn't the case, and I did not take to that well. It never caught on for me. Yeah, but, Raimi's more of the uh, rules as written. Yeah, so when I found out it was a bunch of modded stuff, I wasn't interested back then. And it, so now it's just too late for me to try. But you already know what I would recommend. The mm. McElroy Brothers, uh, The Adventure Zone. Because they literally picked up the starter set as an add-on to their other show. And then they realized people liked it, so they created another show called The Adventure Zone. And so if you want to hear people actually beginning the game from start mm. and learning how to play and have a fun time being funny people, uh, that that's it. The Adventure Zone. The old first season, all of them are great, but the first season especially. I'll add the mm -hmm. Amazon affiliate links to the starter set and a couple of other things for this, if you're interested. And never forget your dice. Yeah, you'll need to get dice. The starter set comes with a set, and we used them, but you'll want to get more, trust me. And, and warning, it can become an addiction of buying dice, so be wary. Yeah, I kind of fell into it a little bit. Not as bad as the books themselves. But oh, I have so much dice. Yeah, I know you've got quite a few. Mine fits in a coffee pot. I've got several tub. satchels of yeah. dice. Uh, I'm going to have to start buying more. I'm putting these, I'm retiring these. Too many memories. Mm. Roll 20. He mentioned Roll 20. I don't mm. do well with D&D &D Beyond. And if you ever think you want to branch off and use it the games, Roll 20 is great. You could just play with your friends online. Not mm. even have to leave the house. Yeah, and they support a lot of uh, third-party games as well mm -hmm. so if you want to branch off and play something that isn't dnd you can still use roll 20 they used to be a little bit harder to run uh the, the web it's just a web-based platform mm -hmm. you have video chat 
all that stuff as well. But I do you, recommend, sorry to interrupt, but I no. do recommend uh, using Discord for your voice chat. It works a little bit better, but the video chat thing works fine. The video oh, yeah. part works for us. It's beautiful. They have simplified it a lot. So if you find yourself wanting to look at Roll20, I'd recommend looking at some newer YouTube videos on how it is done. They have their own YouTube channel. They have a bunch of tutorials up. And things have gotten so much simpler here in the last year to oh, yeah. run. You just click on the class you want if you get the starter set. They even have the standard rules. So you have a few free rules. You don't have to buy anything. They have a mm. free tier of Roll20 and the free rules of D&D on that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you pay up, you get better things like dynamic lighting, so your token will only see in the area it would be allowed to in the rules. It's very handy. But try the free tier of Roll20 if you aren't sure you want to invest in money at all. And, and they had the free rules for D&D on there, and it will actually mm-hmm. just walk you through how to make your character and everything. Literally just point and click to make your characters. Oh, yeah. In this digital age, I do everything online if you'd rather do that. I do enjoy it. But as always, too, you know, like when you play online... Especially if you decide to play with, like, you know, randoms that you don't know. We do recommend play with people that you know. But it doesn't hurt, you know, like, to get to know more people in the community. Just always, you know, be smart, be safe. So a lot of places, if you have a game store nearby, keep an eye out. Ask them if they have a beginner's night or something. I'll add the Amazon affiliate links to these things in here. and It won't cost you any more to buy them on Amazon if you want to buy them. But Mm. it will help us out in the long run being an affiliate link and all. My last comment for the episode is just D&D kind of, like, really helped me a lot personally not just with having fun making memories with my friends but kind of having an outlet in a way of kind of like working through some stuff that i've went through over the last couple of years i kind of like look at D as also kind of like a nice therapy for a lot of people kind of like helps you again like with me work some stuff out kind of vent in a way but it's definitely something that i recommend uh, anybody to get into give it a try uh, it's not for everyone. Some people I know don't really care much for it. I say give it at least one shot, you know, <laughs> pun intended, I guess. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, roll the die and see what you think. Yeah, you might make a 20. Literally. Anything over a 10 is good. <laughs> we can end this episode here. Uh, this okay. is the crossover Brother Knows Quest and Leveling Duo episode. My sister's on vacation, Beth. Yeah, we and have- I'm kind of the guest co-host here, yeah. Dakota. Well... We have three podcasts, Brother Knows Quest, Leveling Duo, and Horrific History and Hauntings. Mm-hmm. It's all on uh, Gruesome Gaming Group. Yeah, Gruesome Gaming Group is what we call the podcast network. You can find the website in the description of this episode. It will take you to find all of our other podcasts and episodes there. Mm-hmm. You can also find our Twitter, Gruesome Gaming G. You can message us, give us ideas for any of the other podcasts or this podcast. And uh, Ramey here manages our uh, TikTok account and posts shorts and stuff on there. So check us out there, you know, give us some likes, give us some shares. And, you know, if you enjoy, you know, like what we do and want to see us uh, do some more, feel free to help with tipping us out. Always helps. Yeah. Helps keep things going and keeps things rolling. Yeah, there's a tip spot on the website, Gruesome Gaming G, if you're ever interested in actually wanting to do that. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Helps mm. us. But we just appreciate y'all listening. Oh, yes. That's perfectly fine. Also have a YouTube channel, Gruesome Gaming G as well. Mm-hmm. It has some shorts on there. Horrific History and Hauntings. I should explain that, I guess. Podcast where my sister Beth tells me about horrific history and some hauntings. Or sometimes they crisscross with each other. You get mm-hmm. horrific history that's turned into a haunting. A lot of times that's how that works out. Or just weird facts about history. We like to cover stuff like that. It's a very open subject every week. Mm-hmm. The last one was about a guy called Two-Gun Crawley, who just went on a murdering rampage through New York. 
probably for the Bronx. I guess that's been it. I've been Ramy. This has been Dakota. And this has been Leveling Duo X Brother Nurse Quest. <laughs> Logging off. Logging off.